I think there's definitely room for at least one more $25 million fund that looks at early stage, doesn't have to be zero revenue, but early stage, scalable tech businesses in Perth. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about building scalable startups in sunny Western Australia. My name's Charlie Gunningham. And this episode is a little different as it's a crossover from our friends at Tech Society. Have you discovered that pod yet? It's a local podcast run by Ninja Software's Alex Dunmo and John Noyan. Do check out their podcast. Lots of really interesting WA tech and innovative people interviewed on that one called Tech Society. Recently, they even had me on. So as we had a break in our own recording schedule, thanks to lockdowns and such, here's me talking about my own 20-year experience in the startup scene in WA. Hope you enjoy it. So who is Charlie Cunningham and what does he do? Okay, well, thanks for getting the name right because a lot of people go Cunningham. Oh, really? It's Gunningham. Wow. I'm from England originally, born in Bath, Somerset, West Country. Hey, all the West Country guys back in England there, because I used to speak like that when I was young. Hello, my name's Charles, but buses to all parts. <laughs> and finally, in the 80s, backpacking teenager came to Australia and went, wow, what is this place? It's sunny, it's bright, it's positive. They just won the America's Cup. Mm, my lovely. elder brother got married. I came over for the wedding. It was amazing. And in the 90s, so I was a school teacher, did an economics degree, and then a teaching degree, ended up in Singapore where I met my lovely wife, Lisa, and we've now been married 26 years and we have two lovely children. Finally got down to Perth in 97, so finally got here, finally got to Australia and was teaching economics and doing an MBA. And I came out of the MBA at UWA and I set up a dot-com. Remember the dot-coms mm. back oh, yes. in the 90s? Yes. Everyone was setting up dot-coms. Like, now it's tech startups, but back yes. then it was the dot-com, right? And we were AussieHome.com. So we were like realestate.com before realestate.com. So me and Nick, a guy I'd met off uh, the MBA program, set up Aussie Home. We raised some money. I suppose you'd call it angel funding now. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a dozen investors, family wow. and friends, and off we went. And we were getting real estate agents on the web. And we might talk about that later. Yep. Mm. 10 years with them, did an exit to Rewa, the real estate agent WA. All my team went in, got jobs at Rewa. I ran Rewa.com. Then I was at Business News where I was the CEO. Then I worked with Larry Lopez and Cheryl Frame on accelerating commercialization, which is a fund, government fund, federal government fund to fund startups. So I suppose I've had 20 years in the startup scene. Mm. And now I invest, advise, write about, mentor uh, startups and consult to tech businesses and help mm. them scale and grow. So that's Charlie Gunningham in a nutshell. So do you think your experience actually being a startup kind of you know, puts you a, a level above most other uh, startup advisors? Well, I wouldn't say level above, but <laughs> I've been the fact that I've been there and done it and made all the mistakes, got the T-shirt, you know, bought the DVD, <laughs> yeah. right? I can usually spot things in tech businesses where I go, ooh, I wouldn't do that if I were you, or what about this? Mm. What I love doing is if I can't help them directly because I haven't got a skill set where there's a gap, I can maybe in- introduce them to somebody. Mm. Oh, you need, your problem is this, you need to do this, or you need to see them, or you should collaborate with those people. I love doing that. Perth's very much like that, right? Yep. So, yeah, I suppose because I've been there and done it and had 10 years as a startup founder – and but also worked in corporates, you know, CEO mm. business news. So I can sort of bridge the, I can get all suited up and do the St. George's Terrace thing, yeah, and talk with some pretty impressive people, 
And I can also talk on a one-to-one level with a startup founder. Put the jeans back on. and Yeah, yeah. And, and whatever, and everything in between. And I think that's what Perth lacks. We need to connect the people with money, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, <laughs> people with money over there, and then yeah. there's this big gap where there's these startup people over here yeah. and hardly the twain shall meet. And I try and connect them. I mean, you know. So how did you here. make that leap from your startup to CEO of Business News? That was yeah. an interesting career move. So 10 years with Aussie Home, my own startup, there was never more than six or seven people. You know, we'd make mm. up ideas in the morning and we'd go live in the afternoon. We were, we were funky. We were down in the <laughs> Netherlands. We then exited to Rewa and about 2012, SpaceCube opened, the first co-working mm. space. There was no ecosystem when, mm. we, when Nick and I started Aussie Home. There were no angel groups, accelerators, mm. incubators, funding, <laughs> nothing like that. Yeah. Right? Nothing at all. In fact, it took a few years to even bump into people, like-minded internet entrepreneurs who actually survived the dot-com crash yeah. of Easter 2000. So I was at Rewa and the first startup weekend, and they, they basically wanted people who had been in startups to come and mentor people over a weekend. Yeah. And I will eventually get to answer your questions along with you. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I thought, wow, there were these ideas People who came with ideas on a Friday night, they weren't allowed to have worked on it before, do a one-minute pitch, and then over the weekend, they built a product and they went in front of judges, and some of them had product by the weekend, and some of them had revenues. Wow. Wow. They'd made sales on an idea, which was just a one-minute idea, not allowed to have worked on it before, (laughs) on a Friday. I I walked back to Rewa and went, wow. Yeah. Yeah. There is some serious programming talent, hackers, designers who can cobble that together pretty quickly in this town. That was very impressive to me. Mm. Then I had done my sort of two years at Rewa. I promised them I'd done two years. And then I got into my third year. And I'd sort of done 13 years with real estate agents. (laughs) I was looking for something else. I'd done 13 years, I suppose, of school teaching, 13 years with real estate. Maybe it was time to do something else. And I was then being approached by various people to – help them out with a tech business or do mm. this. And, and it was the owner of Business News who came to me and was telling me about their their digital transformation strategy, yep. mm. but they don't have a digital person. <laughs> so I was a subscriber to Business News. I'd done 10 years as a subscriber. I was a past 40 under 40 winner. They were aware of me. They'd done some nice stories on Aussie Home. I knew Mark Pownell well. He had actually done the first article on, business, on Aussie Home when he was at the West before oh. he went to Business News. Wow. And... So I leapt into a whole different industry, media. Mm. Like how do we save media in a digital age? That to me thought, well, there's the next challenge. And I'm talking with the owner and people like Mark Pownell and Mark Byer and others who totally got it and were yeah. on board with we need the, – the, the future for us is not printing newspapers. That's like pretty much what Elton said to me. I guess they realized – they saw the writing on the wall at yeah. that point because that wasn't – that's kind of pre – media feeling the the squeeze of the yeah i think the australian put up a paywall in 2011 yeah business news had sort of gone from a free community and i know you've had mark pownell on and i I love listening to his pod Mm. free community newspaper given away down the terrace to Mm. a paid not many media have gone from free to paid no so they they weaned people how to pay for a newspaper and now they were going to go people are going to pay for a digital subscription and they're going to get a newspaper it was almost Mm. like we're swiss we're we're putting a bomb in our own business model and yeah. we're going to disrupt ourselves. Yeah. Highly mm. heroic 
mm. to do that. And we need you to come in and help us. And I thought, what an amazing opportunity that is because it's either going to work yeah. or it's not. And then we're going down anyway. So like <laughs> you can't lose, can you? Right. Well, you and could I be blamed it. for it going down. Yeah, yeah, though. sure. <laughs> but I'm so proud of them and they've done so. And I'm still a subscriber and, you know, what I left three years ago. I went to one of their awards nights the other night and chatted with Elton and, look, it's going really well for them. They've made mm. a really good transition to digital. They're highly respected and they've proven that, you know, you can in this day and age put up a very strict paywall and people will pay for good quality content. Yeah, which there's not much of these days. In, in the, well, there's in a lot of realm. crap content. Yeah, That's easy, right? <laughs> and, and one thing I learned in there is, you know, opinions are cheap, facts are expensive, right? So mm. if you're going to actually get to the bottom of what is going on, then you need to dig and you need to find the truth, whatever that is. And it's very easy to just say, oh, fake news to anything you don't like. What I admired looking across at the editorial team at Business News was this unrelating independence to find the truth, to find the information that is of interest and use to a business audience. And mm. they never veered from that. And that, I think, is the way forward. In certain niches like business and in others, you can get people to pay for good quality content if it's going to help them profit or whatever. We, we subscribe to business news. Mm. I wouldn't. Actually, I, I pay for Wall Street Journal and New York Times as well. Mm. But that's the only Australian media I actually pay for. So I remember meeting the New York Times guys when I was over at a media conference with my CEO business news hat on. And they had 300 people in their subscriptions team following wow. the customer journey and behaviors of people that subscribe and people that don't, people that register and then don't pay, people that pay and maybe don't renew, and those that do renew and pay. And they had it down to a T. Mm -hmm. wow. And I took a lot of learnings back from the New York Times, back to Business News. And that's when I left Business News, and I'm sure they won't mind me saying this, it's something I'm very proud of, and they should be too, that the highest income was subscriptions bigger than advertising. Now, when I got That's there amazing. in 2013, I can tell you that advertising was four times the size of subscriptions. So over three or four years to build subscriptions, uh, obviously advertising fell, but not completely mm. collapsed. Yeah. Obviously, we knew print advertising was going to fall, but we still protected it. But we grew digital advertising and we really grew subscriptions on the back of, I think, the fantastic content that the guys put out. And so they were sustainable on mm. subscriptions alone. Could almost be. I mean, yeah. I always, to me, when when we started Aussie Home, Nick and I looked at what's the business model going to be, <laughs> right? And really, if anyone's listened to this who is a tech startup, this is my biggest piece of advice before you fall asleep and don't listen to the rest of it. If you forget everything else, work out who your customer is and what problem you're solving for the customer. Yeah. It's like absolutely core to everything. And once you've worked out who the customer is and why they're going to pay you, because they'll only pay you if you're solving a problem, yeah. then if they're paying you, maybe you've got a business, right? That's mm -hmm. absolutely core. And I have lots of startups that I've met over the years, hundreds if not I was thousands. about to ask, is that a common It is. A, and I'm, I'm sitting there having a coffee with them. Yeah. And 20 minutes in, I still don't know who their customer is, <laughs> whether even they've worked it out what problem they're solving for the customer mm. and why this customer is going to pay them. <laughs> then yeah. They might have created a very nice piece of tech, but customers don't buy tech and they don't buy features. Yeah. They yeah. buy solutions to problems. <laughs> you can go and do an MBA, you can go and run businesses, do a startup, work in different continents, but it all comes back to that. Yeah. And, and we got have... it wrong at Aussie Home. 
Okay. Who do you think the customer was at Aussie Home? I'm going to throw it back on you. Well, yeah. It should be the, the realtors, right? The real estate agents. Yeah. What's their problem? Uh, actually getting people aware of the houses they're selling. So, so their problem is trying to get buyers yeah. to buy a property at a price and do a deal? Yeah. No. No? <laughs> no, well, it's not. Buyers buy properties. Mm. And they have a saying in real estate, it's all about the listing. List and last. 70% of what real estate agents do is prospect for listings. They've got to get the owner of the property to list with them. Uh, okay. Not the other real estate agents. Right. So it's, it's a scale well, problem. So if you're selling your property, Alex, to me, mm-hmm. and people sell their property every 9, 10, 13 years, whatever the average is, you're going to probably call in three or four real estate agents. Mm. And for one reason or another, you're going to pick one. That person is going to get the commission. Right. One and a half to two and a half percent, three percent, the top ones. Mm. Right. It took us 18 months post launch to work out. The problem was not selling properties. Mm. The problem is getting listings, list and last. So I made the mistake. As I say, I made all the mistakes, got the batch. Yeah. <laughs> got so a T-shirt. How, how, did, how did you pivot to capture that? Within six months of Aussie Home or a year of Aussie Home existing and getting through the tough year of 2000, we introduced websites, not in our original business plan. We did, wait for it, a magazine. Would you believe it? <laughs> we were supposed to be anti-print. We did a magazine. <laughs> Great listing tool. List yeah. with me and you can be in this magazine. We allowed them to be in a magazine because all their listings are on our site anyway. Yeah, yeah. We could press a button and literally lay it out. We had to work out how to go from database into InDesign software, mm. which we can then give to a printer. Yeah. And then they would hand it out at home opens. And then they would use it as a listing tool. List with me and you can be in the magazine. That's also right? great advertising for Aussie Home though. Yeah, so, absolutely. It's perfect. Yeah. List with me, we've got this really funky website. Yeah. Right. After a while, we've got hundreds and hundreds of them all with their website on Aussie Home. Now, if they were to leave us, they're going to have to get that site recoded somewhere else. <laughs> mm. It's on our database. So, so by entering into their site, it goes on our site automatically. They can also be in the magazine if they like. Mm. We had photo, floor plan, person who would run around doing photos and floor plans, photo shoots for them. Oh, cool. We would then later, when realestate.com got here in 2003, they didn't have boots on the ground in 2003. Domain didn't come to 2005. We did deals with them such that you could feed to realestate.com, feed to Domain, and later nice. Rewa without leaving us. And we earned fees off Rewa, Domain, and realestate.com for feeding to them. So, so they didn't actually disrupt your business. No. You used them. That as, was our pivot. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Because if we'd said, no, we're the portal, go away, <laughs> yeah. right? We're going to, our business was not being the front end portal, our business was being the back end. Making their life Content easier. management system, CMS. Yeah, yeah. Basically, we were a content management system for real estate. That's brilliant. And eventually, we had this whole area, the western suburbs, around the river, Frio, Mount Lawley, around the city, pretty much 80 85% of that was on AussieHome.com and rarely anywhere else unless they were feeding from us. So we, And we hosted the sites of the agents, so mm. we rarely oh, lost any was, agents. I mean, it's just there's no way to lose with that because even if – Aussie Home doesn't get a lot of traffic from buyers. They're going to realestate.com.au, really mm, which yeah. all your data is going to anyway. So, yeah, yeah that's, that makes so a that lot we, of sense. Nick, Nick and I saw three business models, right? Advertising, we thought, well, yeah. I don't think that's going to work. You have to light up your website like, you need a lot of traffic. like Yahoo was back then, you know, like yeah. 
like Times Square on a Saturday night. And if you're going to have loads of advertising all over the place. It puts people off as well. People hate that, right? Exactly. Or we sell e-commerce. Well, are we actually going to sell houses online and earn a commission? It's not even happening now. This is 20 years ago. So really we thought, right, subscriptions. Okay, who's going to subscribe? Real estate agents. And eventually we found out what their problem was. But Nick and I had actually built the site for home buyers (laughs) and renters because that's how we'd come from. We'd come from the 90s, right, where – he had to wait for the paper on the weekend, classified ads. Painful. Most of the ads didn't have the price or the or the address of the property in. You had to <laughs> ring up the real estate agent for yeah. that. You had to charge around the home opens week after week after week. Lisa and I mm. went week after week after week. Oh, I forgot all like, about that. The first place I moved into was like It's got to be better brutal. solution. Yeah. And then Nick and I got talking on the MBA. Then we graduated and I was actually back teaching full time and we sort of treated it. The Aussie Home f- story was really from sort of Easter 99 through to the end of 99 was treating it like an MBA project. You know, <laughs> we'd meet at weekends and at evenings and, and bits and bobs. And, and eventually we thought, well, wait a minute. We want to do a map-based property website. We're actually in the center of mapping expertise because GIS technology here is huge because the yeah. mining industry. Yeah, yeah. You take an isolated mining town like Vancouver and Perth, you get GIS technology. So, was, uh, what's that company called? Near Maps. Uh, Near Maps was yeah, Near Maps around there. No, that was, they they came uh, later. Shame, but yeah. yeah, and then Spookfish and all that. But we we used four different mapping providers. So we started with an Esri product, which cost twenty five thousand dollars just to Ooh. get the mapping out of the box before we paid <laughs> someone about fifty to seventy five grand to code the thing. Mm. Yeah, that's how we had to raise money, right? That's that's something we find a lot as people coming in startups pitching their ideas to mm. us and they don't have they, – well, they just don't have a, a monetization strategy at all. Yeah. And, and the, I, so often I see really cool ideas, really cool tech, mm. but I struggle to see who will actually pay for it. Right. Is that something you see a lot? All the time. Yeah. So not only a customer, they've got to see a customer with a problem – preferably a big global problem yeah. that you can solve elegantly with technology and those customers will pay to have that problem solved. A sort of problem yeah. that wakes them up at two in the morning going, who will solve this problem, right? Yeah. That's what you're looking for. So the startups that are successful at its core, actually not just startups, businesses that are successful, mm. have that at its core. They have worked out the customer problem and they know who their customer is and the customer merrily pays the company to solve them. That problem. One of the cool. Full stop. That's it. One of the cool tips I saw recently was to check Google Trends for why is X hard. I don't think you have to be first to every win, every race. Absolutely, hundred percent. But the market has to be big enough Mm -hmm. to allow you to be a small player and still do well. The big market proves that there are people that want Want it, that want the product. And competitors is good, right? They'll help educate the market and grow. That's the whole right. concept. Otherwise, you're going to have to educate everyone about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can steal their ideas, be inspired by their <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Competitive tension's good. Keeps you keeps you honest, right? Otherwise, you get lazy. What's the good. third biggest mistake? Ah, so the first one is they haven't worked out who the customer is, which I think is absolutely cool. Without that, they're stuffed. Secondly, they haven't done a proper competitive landscape, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so that, uh, that's probably the third thing is timing, which is sort of related to competitive landscape, is being early is tough. Being late, you're stuffed, right? Late. I said, done. What you're trying to do is not innovative, not really yeah. changing the, the, the market. And it's, it's reinventing done. the wheel. But you've fallen in love with your product yeah. like, the, like the entrepreneurs do too often, <laughs> not with their customer problem. 
right? We see that too. Yes. And um, off they go spending money. And I suppose that the whole series of problems related to that, which is a fool and their money are easily parted. So I've seen people raise money and I go, how did they raise money? And they just spend it. <laughs> and it gives them a... That gives them some sort of runway, but they're never going to get that because they've never sorted out customer problem and everything else. Yeah. Founder issues. So founders having fights, that's very sad. Mm. You know, they yeah. might be onto something. It could actually work. You know, they have the customer problem. They've got funding. They've got... I mean, how do you know yeah. that that startup will do well? You don't, do you? No, well, right. If we all knew that, we'd well, all have- be kite surfing <laughs> next to Richard Branson <laughs> somewhere in the Caribbean, yeah. right? Well, that's what yeah. green flags are for. So, <laughs> but... Surely there must be things that give you warm fuzzies. For sure. Mm, sure. So I've got a list of 525 at the last count WA startups that I know of, and I don't know of all of them. And Mm. I've categorized them into 13 different categories. And in there will be some gold. I don't know. I couldn't hand on my heart tell you which ones, Mm. but I reckon there's going to be 10 or 20 pretty good ones. I can't promise if there's a Canva in there, Mm. but there could be. And the things I look for are really good, rounded, centered, grounded founders Mm. who have found a big problem that they can solve, where they've got deep domain experience and they've got good tech. And what's a good signal to me is they've got people trialing it or paying for it Mm. and they've got some users. And I talk to those users and their users are just so happy. Mm. And there's a big total addressable market, you know, in the billions, right? And you go, wow, and what's the competitive landscape like? And you go, okay, well, there's people over there, but these guys, what they're doing is way better. And mm-hmm. Perth's a good place to learn as well because you sort of get ignored. It's actually good <laughs> being isolated. Interesting. And a lot of overseas tech companies, as you know, test products in Auckland and they test them in Perth precisely for that yeah. reason because hmm. you can do things in an isolated market and you can see the impact because you haven't got these massive conurbations and other stuff in, in getting in the way. So there's a sort of formula, but there isn't. Mm. Because if there was, then we'd all just apply it and we'd all be billionaires. <laughs> so there's a lot of luck and timing and things happen. Mm. But my biggest advice is if you think you've got something, don't bet the bank. Get out there, test it, iterate, always learn, mm. pivot. And we were pivoting many times. Like 18 months in, we finally realized it was about the listing, so that changed. Realist- about 18 months later, realestate.com came here. Mm. We had to change. Then Domain, finally Rewa woke up, then we did a deal with Rewa, and finally an exit to Rewa. So all along, we had to do various pivots and changes, and you've got to be pretty fluid. And that's the fun stuff of doing a startup, right? Hi, just jumping in here to give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors. Without these, we would not be able to bring you this podcast or do what we do at Startup News either. So we want to thank Startup News, who produced the Startup West podcast. Go there and subscribe, please. Spacecube Coworking Spaces, where we also record this pod down here at Riff in the city. The New Industries Fund, who give funding, advice, and support all year round. Curtin University, who have been a long-time supporter of innovation entrepreneurs in WA. The City of Perth, where we also record this pod, also a great supporter of the tech scene. RSM, who came on board last year, and who helped many startups with R&D tax returns and other advice. Dinner Twist, a WA startup itself, who has actually been on the podcast and just wanted to help out. So please, if you bump into any of these organizations and the people that run them, say thanks and go use their services. That's the best way to say thanks. Okay, now back to the show. What do you think of the way you built your business and the way Michael Malone built his business? Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned Olivia Humphreys as well. Mm-hmm. No, no VC. No. Right? 
Uh, what do you think of that? This kind of obsession with VC now. Yeah, and if you look at VC, VC only funds is it less than three percent? Yeah, of all tech startups. Mm. So v, to me, in Perth, and warning listeners, I might get into a rant in a minute. It's Excellent. coming. That was my okay. purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got your family and friends' money. Yeah. Right, and you might be able to, and your own money. And you might be able to cobble together 50, 100 grand. And that's more than enough to get out there and test mm, the market. Absolutely. In fact, you could probably do a startup these days on credit card debt, five grand, and yeah. test the market, see if something, put up a landing page, see if you make some sales. Well, I think Greg Reby told us that you've got a good idea, start calling people and asking if they want to pay for it. Right. right. Customer, Easy. problem, boom. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Then you might need some angel funding. Mm. All right. And I think Olivia only had one angel in her business, and it was basically because she wanted that person to be an advisor because she was about to leave and go to Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and wanted to be able to call on that person yeah. who was happy to invest, and that, mm-hmm. that was a relationship. Right? And Greg and others, there's a flourishing angel group here called Perth Angels and now Southwest Angels. Mm-hmm. In my humble opinion, there's not enough of them. Mm-hmm. There's lots of money in Perth. There's not enough angel investors in Perth. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying not all startups deserve to be funded, <laughs> number one. Most of them don't. Well, I don't know which ones, but most of them don't deserve to be funded. Mm. I have an idea of some of them definitely shouldn't be funded, but most of them don't. Most of them shouldn't be funded because they don't. They should actually be not raising money. They should be focusing on the customer and trying to get the customer mm. to fund them. That is, I agree with Larry 100%, that is the best way to be funded. So I'm going to preface all what I say by that as my disclaimer. But in some cases, like Canva, the rocket ship needs to be built before you launch it. You just need a bit more Mm -hmm. to go after the big opportunity. So in some cases- Global scale plays like that. Or you've you've spent your five grand credit card debt or your 50 to 100 grand from your rich uncle or whatever it is, and you've cobbled Mm -hmm. together some money and you've got it to a scale- where you need an injection to really go and open in Brisbane or scale it into the US or whatever. And that just takes money. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you might need some angel money. And then there's this big gap because there aren't really venture capital in Perth. Mm. And even though you can go and get VC money in the East, you know, Robo Rigger got 5 million out of Blackbird this year. Mm -hmm. When you look at all the deals done this year and the total amount of deals in, let's say, calendar year 2020, you know, Picture Wealth raised $12 million. Roborigger did $5 million, so there's $17 million. But the total number of deals, as recorded by Tech Board, which is what they do, they go out and look at all these deals, and they don't claim to maybe get all the deals, but they get most they of them. They do a good job, yeah. The total amount of deals is $25 million. Now, if 17 mm. of that went to two, <laughs> there's only $8 million left for everybody else, and I've got a list of 525, and I don't know all of them. Yeah. So... Greg and Tracy and Rav and everyone at Perth Angels, God bless you, but there's only probably about 20 active investors there. Most of them have done five or seven investments. They're tapped out. Mm -hmm. Can't keep doing it forever. It's high-risk investment, right? Yeah, yeah. And they've got to also, they can't be working with 37 different startups, you know, Mm. meaningfully. You're not just giving money, you're giving time, advice, helping them out. Yeah. They can probably only work with five or seven at a time, Mm -hmm. right? And I've done two. And that's all I can do for now. So we just need more angel investors. I think there's a big gap there, and there isn't really a VC community in Perth. There's mm. Battle Labs, which is great that Derek got 
RAC to put in three million, and now it's become a twenty-three million. Yeah, and they've done their first follow-on fund, which is great. Suzanne Dodds from Complete Home Filtration, she's great. That's one fund. I think there is definitely, and I know that some people listening to this will disagree, and some people who've been on your podcast will disagree, but I think there's definitely room for at least one more twenty-five million dollar fund that looks at early stage. It doesn't have to be zero revenue, but early stage scalable tech businesses in Perth. Yeah. I think one thing that's interesting is how well the startups have done this year. I think that's amazing. It's just going to get better, right? Do you think the pandemic has actually increased the amount of tech investment? I think the summit has. I I was amazed. So in March, when the pandemic hit, you know, we suddenly realized how really serious it was. Mm. I was still working with the federal government. We were told to go and ring everybody we'd given money to, obviously. We've given your money, my money, federal taxpayers mm. money of these people in a highly selective, I think very impressive process, but these people have been given real serious money. We don't want them going down through no, no fault of their own because there's a pandemic. So we need to quickly ring around and talk to everybody we give money to. In my case, and Cheryl, it was in WA, say, okay, who are the ones that are like, oh, they could be dead in a month or two unless we help them. Mm. Who are like, they're going to be hit they might be okay, and who are like, actually, we're fine. In fact, if anything, it's improving. Yeah. And we found that m- that it was basically a third, third, third. Mm. A third were mm. like, oh, my God, rabbit in the headlights. A third were like, it's tough, but I think we can, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. And a third were like, actually, it's going to put wind in our sails um, because <laughs> it's like going to force people to go online or yeah. it just didn't affect, yeah. right, because yeah. they were doing things remotely anyway. It didn't matter. Roll on a month. So from mid-March to mid-April, completely different. By about mid-April, certainly into May, hardly any of them had any issues. Mm. It had all like, oh, that wasn't as bad as we thought, probably because we're in WA. Some of them had liked going gangbusters. So give an example. I had one, I won't tell you the name, but just amazing. They only started in March 2018. So you can, listeners can probably guess who it is. One of my grantees. By, in, in March 2019, they got a grant from us. In March 2020, pandemic hits. And their revenue is already at about 250000 a month. So they're wow. going really well. Yeah. But they said next month it might be ten grand. Mm. Like, ouch. Oof. By about May, they were back to 350000 a month. Now so they grew. they're yeah. just closing in on a million a month. Wow. And just done a $2.4 million raise. So if you look it up on Startup News, you'll find out who that is. But mm. and maybe I'll leave you with this thought, guys. What world and what economy are we sort of sleepwalking into when we have a lot of well-backed foreign tech companies white-anting and eating up whole industries? Already, digital marketing is 90% going to Facebook and Google. Look what it's done to media, Mm. right? Hence the change in laws recently. Airbnb, Netflix. These companies have got a lot of money, billions of dollars. They don't employ many people. Mm-hmm. They don't pay much tax. What are we doing? And they're taking Where the money are the Aust- out of our country. Where are, and I use them all. I'm sucker for yeah, them. Me Spotify, too. I use them all. Yep. Love them. Yep. Uber. But mm. where are the Australian tech companies? And where are the West Australian tech companies? Mm. To me, we can't just sit back and think it's just going to happen. No. Markets, I love markets, but markets fail. They're not perfect. Need a bit of help. And... I think people could have some fun. Invest in them. Not all your money, but at the moment, $8 billion is invested in WA companies. $25 million went to early stage. That's 0.3%. 
Mm. 0.3% goes to early stage tech. What are we doing? That's not enough. Mm. If we just made it 1%, that would be a tripling. So that's why I say there should be another $25 million fund. Let's push it up to 1%. 99% can be on everything else. Just give these guys a chance, mm. the best ones. Let's fund them. Let's give them a bit of runway. Let's give them a bit of rocket fuel. Yeah. Right? Any any sophisticated investors that are listening to this, mm. what's your advice? Where do they go for the next step? Well, I think they need to go down to the Perth Angels, mm -hmm. so perthangels.com. I think they need to get involved in this tech community, startupnews.com.au, good place yep. to start, mm -hmm. right? Listen to Startup West podcast. Get involved in the community. Talk to people. Go and talk to Brody McCulloch. Mm -hmm. Go and talk to Derek Gerard at Plus 8. Mm -hmm. Get involved. Andrew Larson, Larry Lopez. Go and talk to these people in the community. Cheryl Frame, great people doing great stuff in the community. Mm -hmm. you, you do it from the love of it, right? Fantastic people. Robert Nathan, you know, Rob Nathan, what he's doing. Patrick Green, I, I'm sorry mm. for all the people I've now not <laughs> named. There's loads of you doing great things in the community. Chandra and Carly down at Space Cube, all these people doing great stuff, right? Get involved, get connected, have some fun, give back. It's part of philanthropy. Mm. Go and fund a startup, have some fun. At least you can boast to it with your <laughs> friends in the barbecue this summer. Mm. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's not very expensive to do so. Five, ten grand can get you started. Mm. Claim an ESIC on it. Get 20% back as a tax deduction. <laughs> Why not? Get involved. Mm. Yeah? That's, yeah. That's all right. Beautiful. Have we solved it all? Yeah. We solved the we problem. Yeah, we have. Thanks, Charlie. Cheers, yeah, John. Thank you so much. Cheers, Alex. Thanks to Alex, John, Lan, and everyone from Tech Society and Ninja Software for that interview. Thanks also to our sponsors. Startup West is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, the New Industries Fund, Curtin University, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist, and RSM. We'll be back with a new episode in the next week or so. So don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favorite pod platform. So all our latest episodes will wing their way automatically to your feed. And if you'd like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you.